Welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast, a place where sharing God's word with the next generation in your circle of influence can be simple, easy, and fun. We know that intentionally teaching children about God and the relevancy of His word will be a game changer in their homes, schools, and communities. This podcast is a ministry of Bible to School, the experts in engaging children with the Word of God. Together, we will make sure you can tell the children about the love of Jesus. Ready, set, let's go. Hi, friends. Happy fall. I'm your host, Corey Pennypacker, and this is episode 20. Have you ever had a child ask you, how do you know the Bible is true? Well, I have. In fact, I've had adults ask me that question as well. I have good news. Today's special guest is my friend, Mike Lutz, a beloved Bible to school teacher and a believer very passionate about God's word. Mike will help us all answer that question well. How do we know the Bible is true? So listen closely. Show notes from today's episode can be found on our Bible to School website. That's Bible2School.com. Let's dive into our conversation with Mike right now. Well, Mike, thank you so much for being with us today at You Can Tell the Children. Mike Lutz, you are a Bible to School teacher, a very experienced one, and you are a dad and a grandfather. You have a favorite lesson we're going to talk about today. But thanks so much for being with us. Glad to be here. You have a family. Tell us about your family. Uh, I have a wife of uh, nearly 49 years, Brenda. We have two daughters, uh, Jen and Erin. And uh, Jen lives with her husband in Maryland. And she has two sons, our two grand grandsons. They are 18 and 14, respectively. Great, great. Now, you got into teaching the Bible to School lessons and... You're one of the favorites, I have to tell you. So tell me, how did you get into teaching a Bible to school? Interestingly enough, we had a friend who has been driving as a volunteer, a bus driver, to oh. uh, one of the other schools. He knew that uh, we were, Brent and I, were interested in serving in our local church. And he asked whether we would be interested in being volunteers at Bibles to School because they needed some volunteers. And so... When I heard that there were so many unchurched kids that needed to hear about Jesus, that interested me, and uh, we looked into it, and I think we, Brenda and I, went and observed for a time or two, and then I, I submitted my application to start to teach. Great, great, and we love having you on our team, and I love this kind of interview where I get to hear about what's your favorite lesson, and we can tell our listeners out there, how to teach the Bible, maybe little tricks here and there, but just even a perspective. And you have a great perspective, Mike. So tell us about your favorite lesson. My favorite lesson is the very first one that we teach to the fourth graders. The title of the lesson is Why the Bible is True. I do think that the Bible is the starting point. Uh, even the Bible itself testifies that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, and that once we come to faith, that we're to grow by taking in the Word of God, that we grow by, by doing that. And so I think starting the, the lessons for any age with the Bible is a great place to start. So we talk about a number of reasons why the Bible is different and unique from any other book, because it's the only book that God has ever given to mankind. And, That's right. Uh, 
And we start with the point that God gave those words to 40 different men over a period of about 1,500 years. And I usually stop at that point and say to the kids, can you imagine 40 people agreeing on anything over <laughs> any time frame? That's true. And yet the, the 66 books of the Bible fit together like a glove, and they really tell one story. And it's the story of who God is and what he's done for us because he loves us so much. So that's the first thing we, we share with the kids. And those 40 men, by the way, all testified that God gave them the word. And most of them died a martyr's death. Yes. Rather than to deny the truth that God had given them those words. So that's a pretty powerful reason to believe the Bible. That is uh, powerful. So what do the kids do when you set, tell them that? I mean, their eyes get big, like, wow, these people died for this? Yeah, when you realize that, that more than half of these kids are unchurched, some of these things they're hearing for the first time. So they don't even know what questions to ask at this point in time. They're just kind of overwhelmed with, with it. And that's just the first thing that we share with them. I usually share with them that God authenticated, and I and I you have to be careful with the Christianese. So I, I usually stop at that point and try to explain what it means to authenticate. That's that a big word, yeah. It is a big word. So <laughs> Help them understand that, you know, God gave these men the ability to do miraculous things to prove that they were speaking for him and that the words that they spoke were God's words. Mm, that's so good. So even if you think of Jesus, you know, the healings that he did, even raising from the dead, God was authenticating that he was his final messenger, if you will, not his final messenger, mm -hmm. but the most important messenger. Mm-hmm. And his, and, son. He, and his son, and God in flesh, mm -hmm. and being able to do all things, power over nature, power over disease, power over sickness and disability, power over death. We share those things with them to say, hey, these men not are just testifying, but God is testifying that what they said is truth. I also say to them that because a lot of people try to say that science doesn't agree with the Bible. But I think when you really do a study of science and archaeology, what you find is that science and archaeology supports the things of the Bible, because the yes. Bible has talked about people and places and things that for many centuries, historians knew nothing about, and they challenged the Bible, not believing that the Bible was true. For example, there, there's a people called the Hittites that the Bible clearly talks about, but for years, historians claimed there were no such people. Well, archaeology eventually uncovered evidence of this the Hittite <laughs> civilization. Yes. And that's what archaeology has consistently done over the years. It continues to prove the accuracy and the truthfulness of what the Bible has said thousands of years before. Right. Even science and archaeology support the truth of the Bible. And then in the lesson that we teach, that first lesson, the emphasis is on the fulfilled prophecy that the Bible yes. talks about. So that the prophecy, and again, you have to stop and explain that to the kids because yeah. they don't they don't understand how, the word prophecy. Right. So, how do you explain prophecy to a fourth grader? Well, we tell them, I like to, to talk to them and say, think about this. If you could look down the centuries, uh, eight, say a thousand years from now, and if you were able to identify a person in your family line, where they would be born, what kind of work they would do, how they would die, just eight things about that person. Mm -hmm. The chances of getting all eight of those things right would be like mathematicians tell us it would be the same as 
the world being filled two feet deep with silver dollars and you getting one choice to get all eight right. Mm. So where the Bible has foretold things about, for example, Jesus, there are 300 prophecies, all of which have been, you know, God foretold what was going to happen with Jesus. Mm-hmm. All 300 have occurred. The probability of that is not not one in 10. It's one in 10 with 32 zeros behind it. Mm. Now, that's, you know, the, the kids may not grasp that, but the point is, and we go through a little exercise where we put 10 coins on the desk. Mm-hmm. And there there may be only nine of those are going to be heads and one's tails. And we mix them up and we ask them to close their eyes. And each of them takes a turn trying to pick the one coin that's tails up. Well, usually in a, in a group of six, maybe that you have at your table, you're fortunate if one of the six yeah. gets that one right. Exactly. And it just illustrates how difficult it, it is mm-hmm. to be able to identify one out of 10 And again, there's 300 of these that have been fulfilled. So the idea is God is able to accurately foretell these things about this coming one, this this son of his that was going to come and save us. And that person is, in fact, Jesus Christ, who has Mm -hmm. fulfilled all of those promises. So, Mike, you uh, one of the things that we didn't mention about your background is you were in finance. So numbers, this is a really good area for you. I I like I like probabilities. I always like statistics in, in college. So probability is a big part of, of statistics yeah. and just being able to grasp how there has to be a, a single all-knowing mind behind these 40 writers to mm-hmm. be able to predict these things that accurately. Wow. What you're doing is you're setting up so our, our listeners out there, they can like really talk about this in the conversation, all these, these just kind of name all these things that you've just mentioned, like that this is, this is hard, not easy to get all in a row. I mean, this is very much difficult to do and only God can do these things over years and years and years. You're pretty much thinking there's a lot of them. So if you have some children that don't know who God is, or even their family doesn't go to church and you have an influence on them, it's amazing enough for children who, who do know who God is, all these statistics of how God predicts these prophecies and how God, all they came true. But when you're talking to children who have never heard of this stuff, what do you say? I mean, a lot of people say, well, my mom and dad don't believe the Bible. What would you say to that? I would say that I lived half of my life not believing it either. So it's not that I grew up in a church. I did not grow up in a, in a church. I didn't go to church for most of my life. And to be honest with you, I lived most of my life living the way I wanted to live it, the way I wanted to live it, with whom I wanted to live it, and how I wanted to live it. And I experienced, you know, the, the world talks about living for the pleasures of life. And I, I lived that way for a number of years. And while there was certainly pleasure in the way I lived, there was no lasting joy and fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And my life really wasn't amounting to anything. It wasn't, I wasn't living a meaningful productive and fruitful life. About that time, my family broke apart. My mom and dad divorced. Uh, Our family literally disintegrated in front of our eyes. And none of us at that time knew the Lord or cared about the Lord or the things that God had said in his word. But one by one, interestingly enough, we all came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through the the word of God and Mm. through the testimony of people who had previously made decisions for Christ and one by one, our lives began to change for the good. And, mm-hmm. and today, I'm one of those that can testify 
that God has transformed my life and given me a life of purpose and meaning now, part of which is, frankly, teaching these kids. Mm. And now, as Dr. James Kennedy used to say, evangelism is really one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. <laughs> that's good. And, and, and that's really, if you think about it, that's what we're doing when we're trying to reach these kids. Mm -hmm. God reaches us one by one, and mm -hmm. sometimes he reaches parents before he reaches children. Sometimes he reaches children before he reaches parents. True. And I can share with you instances where children first came to know Jesus, but because of the way God changed their lives, their mom and dad began to become interested as well. Now, that doesn't always happen because Jesus said, I came not always to bring peace to families. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I'm going to bring division because some are going to believe in me and some aren't. Mm -hmm. The important thing for every person is every, every person has to make that choice themselves. Mm -hmm. and, and when you hear God calling and you, you believe who he is and what he's done, you know, every person has to come to that to faith by themselves. Let's pause right now and take a question from one of our Bible to School kids. If Jesus could do all those miracles, then why didn't he get himself down off the cross when they nailed him there? Did you know that there are over 300 prophecies in the Bible relating to the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus? And he fulfilled all of them. Yes, Jesus could have gotten down from that cross, but then the prophecies would have been left unfulfilled and everything written in the Bible suspect to being true. We can know the Bible is true because Jesus did exactly what he said he would do, even to the point of dying on the cross for our sins and then rising from the dead on the third day so you and I could have eternal life with him someday. Something you said to me earlier before we got on the broadcast here is that these kids, a lot of people don't know what they don't know. They don't even know what questions to ask. So what would your recommendation be for these parents, grandparents, you know, people who have Sunday school teachers who have influence in children's lives? Like what, what would their first step be with this, even this topic of how do you know the Bible's true? Very good question. It is a good question. And I guess I'd, I would say the best place for anybody to start, whether you're a parent or a grandparent or whomever you are, is to start with the Bible yourself mm. and allow, allow God to speak to you and allow God to begin to change your life. And it reminds me of a passage where Peter shares, I think in 1 Peter 3, 8, or maybe it's 7, something around there, where he says to a, a wife who has an unbelieving husband, and he says, don't goad your husband, don't, don't harass your husband. He, instead, learn to live a, a quiet and godly lifestyle the way God wants you to, and your husband will see the difference, and he will be mm -hmm. attracted to Christ by the behavior and, and the attitudes of, of a believing wife. And that's, a, that's the place to start is allow God to transform you and be in prayer for those kids or those grandkids or whoever they are. You know, we, have, we have two grandsons, but the older one only came to know Christ about two years ago. And I'd like to think it's partially because of our testimony to him. He got involved in a group called Young Life. Oh, yeah. And he, went, he went to a Young Life camp. When he came home, he was excited to tell us that he had accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior and his Lord at the camp. Great. But we've been praying for him for years. Mm -hmm. 
you know, his mom and dad uh, don't go to church at this point in time. I think his mom is saved, but she's a follower. So her husband doesn't go to church. So she hasn't been going to church. But now Hunter, which is the, the older grandson, he is going to church. Now my our daughter is going to church with him. Nice. So, so you did that, the- that's just an example of what can happen, you know, when you yourself make that a commitment and then pray and live the life in front of them to be able to see the difference. Well, back to your Bible to school team and your Bible school kids, when you're in this lesson with them, what are some questions they ask you, Mike? Well, it's interesting. Just the other day now, we, we just had our first class a couple of weeks back. When we're coming back and forth to school, walking with them, there was one one little boy that I was walking with and uh, he had seen my Bible that it was all marked up. <laughs> and he asked me why I marked my Bible. And then as I was paging through it, he was seeing that all the, the Bibles marked up on every page. And he, he he just looked at me and he said, have you read the whole Bible? Oh. And I said, yeah. I said, as a matter of fact, I, I try to read it about every six months. I said, I read about 20 pages a day and I you know, I'll read the Old Testament, then I'll read the New Testament twice, and then I'll go back and start with the Old Testament again. And he was just interested mm-hmm. in my personal Bible study habit, I guess. Mm-hmm. So that was one question he asked. Now, last year, we only had, because of the pandemic, we only had four children that actually were able to come physically once we reopened. But one of those, again, walking back and forth, shared with me that his family believed in demonic spirits. Mm-hmm. He said I, he, did, he admitted he didn't know much about the Bible, and he asked me what I thought of the demonic spirits. And I said, well, I said, I believe in them because the Bible says they're, they're real. But I said, the Bible also says that Jesus has been given all authority and all power over all the angels and all the demonic spirits. So I said, that's a person you need to get to know uh, is Jesus because he has power over all of those spirits. Very good answer. Very good answer. Yes. I mean, really, when it comes down to it, when they're asking these questions, you never know what they're going to ask. No. The, the Holy Spirit does give you the words, and those were perfect words. Well, and time. if he doesn't give you the words at the time, you know, what I usually say to, to somebody is, that's a very good question, and I don't know the answer right off the top of my head, but I'm going to research it, and I'll get back to you. Yeah. And, and they're fine with that. Mm-hmm. But then make sure the next week, you know, you, get, you pull them aside and, and make sure you give them whatever research you came up with. But sometimes you need to ask for help if you don't, if you can't find the answer yourself. But there's an answer there. Awesome, Mike. Well, we have a, a few more minutes left here. And, and I wanted to ask you, as a, a grandparent, there's a lot of grandparents listening out there or and parents who, you know, are also listening. But speak to the grandparents. How important is it that they speak into the children's lives not maybe not even just their grandchildren but their their grandchildren's friends because we see this at bible to school the kids that know jesus will bring their friends that don't so being the adult in the room or you have influence on your children and grandchildren's friends as well you do well the first thing i would say is we don't really have a choice about that deuteronomy 6 and 6 and 7 give us a command that we are to instruct our children we're to teach them as they as they rise up and when they they walk by the way and whatever we're doing in life, we should be using every opportunity we have to illustrate and demonstrate spiritual truth and biblical truth. So we don't really have an option there. It's, mm. it's a command if we're going to do it. 
Because if we don't influence our children and somebody might say, well, you're just you're just pushing your thoughts on, on your kids. Don't you want to wait till the kids grow up? And my answer to that is somebody is going to be influencing your children. If it isn't you, I guarantee you, if you turn the light out in a, in a dark room, if you turn that light out, the darkness envelops the room. So somebody is going to be influencing your kids. I want them to be influenced by the truth before they have that opportunity to go out in the world and have to face temptations and mm-hmm. and the counterfeit, the, 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 counterfeit the, the world's way of thinking. Right. Because as Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, we're in a bat we're in a battle for the for the minds and the hearts of children. We're either going to be conformed to this world's way of thinking or be transformed by the renewing of our mind by the word of God and the spirit of God. And so I want to be part of that transformation process rather than the conforming process. Well, Mike, you are, and I appreciate you so much as a volunteer teacher at Bible to School. Thank you for sharing your thoughts today with us and our listeners and your ideas, because they're they're good ones and they're good things to, to look for when you're talking with children. It's simple, easy, and, and it's fun for them to ask you questions too. They get a good they get a kick out of that, right? And it's fun to see them. It's a miracle every time one of those children says, I'm ready to receive Jesus as my Savior and Lord. That there's nothing better than than seeing anybody come to know know the Lord and have faith, put their faith in Jesus. Awesome. Well, thank you, Mike. Would you mind ending us in prayer? Be glad to. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the the privilege of being able to minister to kids. And uh, I thank you for Bibles to School and programs like Bibles to School. And Lord, I pray your blessing on each and every person who's willing to be a volunteer and uh, Lord, we always need more volunteers. And Lord, there, 80% of the people uh, don't do much and 20% of the people do 80% of the work. So Lord, I just pray there'd be more people that are willing to be part of that 20% and, and get involved, whether it's in the church, whether it's, it's in Bibles to school or organizations like that. Father, I pray you're, you'd move the hearts of people. And uh, Lord, we pray for the kids. We pray that uh, many more would hear the good news about Jesus and his great love for them and, and how he went to the cross and paid the penalty for their sins and rose from the dead in newness of life with a promise of eternal and abundant life to whosoever will have him as Savior and Lord. Father, we entrust them to you and we entrust ourselves to you. And we uh, pray, Lord, for your blessing in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. Wasn't that a great lesson? Mike had some good points about knowing that the Bible is true. And I'm so glad it is. How about you? If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend and then connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at Bible to School. If you're interested in exploring bringing the Bible to your public school, feel free to contact us on our website at BibleToSchool.com. That's Bible, the number two, school.com. We know that being grateful brings us joy and others joy. Next time, my co-host Lee Neenheis and I will be discussing what it looks like to intentionally teach children about gratefulness. Thanksgiving Day is approaching, and we will cover five ways to show gratefulness that you can share with the children in your circle of influence. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for being with us. And remember, you can tell the children about the love of Jesus. It's all in the Bible, and it's all true. See you next time.